Well, welcome back, my friends, to the Swiss Power, where IT leaders share the inside with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as in every week, I have my two co-hosts, Howard Holton and Paul Lewis. Hello, guys. Hey, hey there. Hey, hey. How's it going? Howard was just about to say something as you started the podcast. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure yeah. it was incredibly important that you so, needed the information to start so, this one. So, yeah. So I just got back from RSA, right? Um, which Paul knows very well because he and I, he and I happened to be at the airport at the same time. Um, so <laughs> oh, we get to say hello in person time. for the first time in, in forever. Yes. Yes. We didn't get to say much more than hello, but we did get to say hello. Um, and, and one of the things that, that I've noticed kind of throughout my career is uh, I'm going to say the problem with open source. And I think at some point we should all like, we should have a, a pod on the problem with open source. Cause it's, um, it's annoying me. <laughs> wait, 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 not wait, the wait. top, not the top. We're changing the but... topic. Yeah. Yeah. We changed the topic or what? No, no. We, we I mean, we, we can, if you want to, top. but you might want some more prep. I would like to see um, both but, Carlos transition into our topic and transition from our topic to open source. <laughs> <laughs> that would well, be a feat. Um, but I'm at a, I, I am at yet another conference. So I went from San Francisco. I flew home. Um, I built the mobile party rig that I am currently recording from in the hotel room, um, so that you know I have some decent audio when I'm in the hotel room and at least passable video. Um, I may want to play with my lighting. It's a, it seems a little dark. What do you think, Carlos? Is my lighting a little yeah, dark? Yeah, you're a little bit dark. Probably had to move it a little bit to the side so it can light you up a little bit. Or something may be... A little bit, yeah. Yeah, on the camera, you can play with it. You could be in front yeah. of the so, window, too. You, The natural light would be way better than the artificial you currently have there. Well, yeah, that would be nice if there was any way to move. Like they've 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 given me this one big like marble thing. I met I met um I met the hotel chain that starts with an H. That's a bad word for us. Never heard of it. <laughs> um, yeah. So they've given it's like this big thing. There's no way I could move it. Like I'd have to I'd have to call down for for to the front desk and say, hey, can you can you have some big lads come up here from maintenance and move this shit around? I tried to do a podcast. Um, I'm not sure that would. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that would go over well. Um. But but so I was home on Saturday, so I put this together. Then I got on a plane at like five in the morning on Sunday, and um, and flew to San Diego for Appian World, hmm. a a uh, a low code tool set. Um, so I'm out here to see kind of what they're doing and why it's different and why everybody's all excited about it. Um, as as you probably know, I I like I like low code um, tools. I think they're I think they're very interesting. I think the potential is huge. Um, I got asked a really cool question today, which which I liked, which was, um, "What am I excited about?" Um, of course, they said, "Howard, it could be not technology," and I just went, "I don't care about that. I'll just talk technology or business." You know, um, and and I think the thing I'm most excited about is um, digital experiences. Hmm. Right? How do we how do we positively affect the, the digital or for programmer? Um, for the employees in general, like, like I, I think, I think it's a big miss, right? We talk about CX a lot, and we talk about UX, right? U user experience, so kind of application design, and we talk about customer experience. But I think digital experience, which is more more around kind of like the the, the whole holistic employee experience, I think is also um, a critical thing that we need to focus on. Um, and I think that 
you know, within the context of where I sit today at, at Appian World, I think there's a lot of potential to positively impact um, the digital experiences of our employees. And, and uh, I think it's a place we don't spend enough time thinking about, right? What is the friction? Why does the friction exist? Can we remove that friction? Right? Is, does what we do have a net positive more than just we've enabled business, but rather we've made it easier to uh, to get that business done or better or you know improved it in some way? Is that the way? purview of larger organizations? In other words, is an organization of 500 or less less interested in digital experiences for their employees versus one that has 3,000 stores and therefore 300,000 people? Uh, I mean, I think the answer is, well, no, I, I actually think the answer is probably like the midsize market probably focuses more on it. But I, I think it's I think it's the purview of everyone. Right. Um, I, I think your ability to get super custom. Right. And, and really like dial that in improves with the size of your organization. Right. Your organization simply has more resources available as it gets larger. That being said, um the tools that you select, if DX is a is a main component, you can simply make tooling decisions that are different that still affect, impact, and improve digital experience. Mm. Um, and, and I don't think you have the right to um, to simply avoid them. So I, I watched a thing from Simon Sinek this morning on the Great Resignation that, uh, that kind of also has me thinking this way a little bit. So I know that we normally get influenced by what we hear, what we see, or the conferences that we go. So is this a topic that the speakers should be talking about, that they're using, the panels that you guys are participating, share some of those ideas? Like when you moderate something, Paul? No? You heard? No? <laughs> no, not at all. Anyways, as I was saying. <laughs> How important is content moderation? <laughs> Yeah, so what's the topic of the day, Paul? Uh, how important is the speaker and the moderator to the content being delivered? Uh, whether that is like a webinar or just up on stage for a thing like a conference. And as I was sitting through yet another conference last week, um, I started to find myself judging the content that was in front of me, right? Sure, the content you know, in its essence was good, but I started to compare session one versus session two versus session three, especially if they're panels, especially if it was moderated by a professional or not to compare how important was the moderator in the situation as compared to the individual contributors. And I came to just my own conclusion, you can agree with me or not, that the moderator absolutely had a significant impact and not just the quality of the answers, but the flow of the conversation so much so is I would have received less content from perfectly good speakers um, with a poor moderation. And I believe a good moderator gets reasonably good, but not amazing speakers, much more content to the audience. So I think not only does the moderator matter, it matters more than the other panelists. Your thoughts? Oh, no, that's an interesting, that's, that's interesting. Does the moderator, you know, in a panel style discussion, is the moderator 
the most important position on the panel. So let, let me give you some um, examples that I saw between sessions. So, so example number one, uh, panel session, two very good guests, one very good moderator that they came from, um, you know, a technology background, a publication background, they were a professional interviewer, and they were clearly prepared in the content that they wanted to showcase, right? So all, all good guests, good moderator, excellent content, standing ovation. The other side of the spectrum, decent to good guests with 30-year backgrounds, moderator, two-year background, relatively junior, asked relatively superficial questions, and I still didn't get a lot of content that I found was rich, even though the speakers were relatively good, the guests. And then the middle ground, um, really, really good um, speakers. And had they spoken for 45 minutes on their own as a keynote, would have been orders of magnitude better than the poor moderation question and answer that they received that wasn't personalized or immersive in any way. And therefore it was, it wasn't even catnip to the audience. I don't know if you've seen um, this, but that's kind of what I witnessed. So I have had moderators that have completely destroyed my, even my desire to be on the panel. <laughs> Right, like one question in, and I'm like, this is a waste of my time. Mm. Um, not only am I not going to learn from any of the other panelists, which is half of the reason that I appear in panels, but I'm not going to be able to bring any value to the audience either. Mm. Right. Um, the questions are often, you know, in that case, the questions are often terrible. The time allotted isn't any good. Um, the format may be poor. Like, if you're going to have, um, and I think this is maybe a weakness of the f the format itself, but I I'd almost like panels to have more of a um, like a political debate style format, mm. right? Um, you know, Paul, here's your question. Howard, you have 90 seconds to respond, right? right. Um, be because that's, I think, where the interesting kind of takes place anyhow, right? Um, if all you're going to do is ask Paul a question, then ask Howard a question, then ask Carlos a question, and there's no connective tissue between, there's no conversation, then you're also missing half of the value, right? Okay, cool. I get to hear Paul's opinion on the thing, and then Howard's opinion on the thing, and then Carlos's opinion on the thing. But oftentimes those things aren't connected. Um, there's no chance to really build upon anything. Um, and why are we all on the same panel anyhow? Even if even if the topic is similar, I just I don't I, you know I don't I don't find the value. Versus there are panels where it is conversational, right? Even if it's not as formalized as like the presidential debate, um, and those I think really do have value. Yeah. Right? Like if if at the end of it I walk off stage and I don't ask for somebody else's card and or contact info, I it's a waste of time for me. I think that's what I witnessed is the more junior moderators asked a relatively simple question. And the same question to all guests. So, uh, hi, Paul. Uh, thanks for coming. I hear you have an opinion on cloud. Provide it. And then the three other guests sure. provide their opinion on cloud. Right. Um, and therefore, yeah. every other guest 
Yes, I agree with Paul. And let me add one thing. Yes, I agree with Paul and Sam. Let me add two things. Like then all of a sudden you're getting this accretive answer versus a debate or a disagreement or a different position or a different stress, right? None of those come out in a everybody answered the same question moderation style. So we'll yeah, I, and I like deeper questions, right? Like, 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 ask me a specific question, um, and make it make it somewhat detailed, so that I have to pause and think. Don't you know if you just ask? And and I've had the same thing, right? Uh, where the question is really high level, and it's like, okay, cool. I get asked that question seven hundred times already. <laughs> You're not going to hear anything new, and this is the the worst part. You as the moderator aren't going to pull any passion out in my voice, right? Right. I'm not passionate about a generic answer, right? Um, so, so be specific. Give me something I can actually use. So, do you prefer moderators that are more um, academic, or more instructional, or more theoretical, or more practical? In other words, would you rather have somebody who's been in your shoes? or somebody who's well-read on the topic, or somebody who has a superficial appreciation of what you do for a living? <laughs> I, I actually don't care. Because um, I, I think with the right question, all of that works, right? Mm -hmm. like, like someone that's been in my shoes with the right question can get a different perspective on something they believe they know. Someone who's only studied and asked the question can, can get the same thing, right? Like... like um, you know, we would have given a response at Hitachi to the second one. Like, um, that's not how it actually works in the real world. While I understand that's what the textbook says, how we do that in the real world is this. And then the third one um, also has the ability to be surprised, right? Someone who really doesn't know the field in the space. Um, what what helps the most is to understand where the moderator is coming from. Hmm. Right. Like if I understand the moderator and I understand what their background is and I have some knowledge of why they're asking the question, it also helps me frame my answer accordingly. And 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 I'll be honest, ideally, the moderator represents the audience. Right. We, right. we need them at the very least to be intellectually curious. Right? Uh, right. Versus having a set of 10 questions in their note cards and their goal is to get through the questions in the 45 minute allotment versus asking the question, understanding the answer, following up on the answer and hoping that we're creating interesting content for the audience. Even if that means only getting through five of the 10. Right. Uh, yeah. If you're a moderator and that's what you're doing, like you're just reading the questions, then you're just slides. What's the point of view? Right. Just have them up. And I'll, I'll answer right. them as I Right, right. Just just <laughs> throw them up and say, um, so every one of these questions will be answered from left to right as you face the panelists. <laughs> um, we're going to put each one up as a slide and then the panelists are going to go from left to right and answer them. Then I don't then I don't need the interruption from the moderator even to begin with. Right. It, it just reduces the quantity of content versus if the moderator is interested, if the moderator is curious, if the moderator is at least excited about the topic and can represent the audience, then they're going to pull that out of you. So let me ask you a question, guys, because I think that there's a distinction that I'm not sure if the audience understand because you both have mentioned a panel versus a debate. And how does the content delivery may be different? from your side and then from the audience, how do they learn? 
Well, I don't think, I, I think that's part of the problem, right? I, I, I think you learn far, far better in a conversation, right? Um, uh, uh, again, what tends to happen, um, Paul, give me your thoughts on cloud. <laughs> that's exactly what every single one starts us. Right. Then Howard, give me your thoughts on cloud. And 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 Paul can do anything he wants. He's the first respondent. So he can respond any way he wishes. Howard then has to decide, does Howard respond totally different than Paul? As in, I acknowledge nothing Paul said. I just try to make it different so that you get a different perspective. Do I recognize what Paul said and give a counterpoint? Do I recognize what Paul said and then go in addition to? Yeah. Right. Do I double click for depth? Do I do another pillar of information or do I leave the field that Paul was in and talk about something like Paul, Paul can talk about, um, you know, the, the, the fin ops of cloud, right? The financial aspects of cloud and how that makes a difference to a CIO. I can then talk about the technical capabilities I gain with cloud. I don't rely on Paul at all. I'm doing something different. Maybe I wanted to talk about the financial aspects of cloud, but Paul went first and he took that talking point. Yeah, I, I think right. that style um, is only effective in good preparation. And by that, I mean, you've done a dry run with the panelists and you've got an appreciation. Each panelist got appreciation what the what they think their predecessor's answer is going to be and can choose to build upon it or to augment it or to disagree with it. Much more difficult to do that live um, if you're not familiar with what you think the answers are going to be. Well, it requires all of the panelists to be really good panelists too. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like you have to, if, if there's five panelists and you want them all to say something different, you actually need panelists with at least three different opinions. Right. That you know. Right. Yeah. Each, each, each. Right. <laughs> they each have to have at least three different opinions because it's likely you're going to have some overlap. Right. Um, so it's, it, you know, it can be problematic. It's why I think the almost debate style works a little bit better, right? Where, where you say, um, hey, Paul, what's your thoughts on, uh, you know, it's 2023, cloud's been around for about a decade now. Um, we're seeing a lot of a lot of repatriation within cloud. So what are your what's your thoughts on repatriation? Is it a real thing? Is it just something vendors are talking about? Are you seeing customers do repatriation? And then Paul will say whatever Paul's going to say on repatriation. And then the next speaker, you go, okay, well, um, Howard, you heard from Paul. Um, we'd like to give you 30 seconds to respond directly to Paul's comments. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that sort of thing is interesting. Spark some sort of conversation. It doesn't have to be adversarial, which is what, what, what you really get in a debate, but, but, you know, make it directed point the conversation, right? Like let's, let's try to carry it or something. And then dear God, don't have eight people on a panel. Why, why would I want to be on a panel with seven other people? Right. So each individual answer gets so blurred. You don't, you don't remember or stand what anybody thought. Well, if you do a panel with eight people, each person gets four minutes total throughout the panel. Right. You get no more than that. And I guarantee you they're going to do introductions. So you get two. <laughs> right. Right. And someone's introduction is going to be, hi, I'm Howard. Uh, I, I'm the CTO for GigaOM. And then someone's el someone else's introduction is going to be, um, so my parents named me Michael, but I didn't really like Michael. And by the age of three, I had determined that I was really a Mike. Now, now, growing up as a young Mike in the Midwest, there were seven other Mikes. So I quickly, you know what I mean? They're going to give you their whole life story. 
And so they're going to take up seven minutes on their introduction because they've never actually done a professional introduction before. Because you got and you got eight panelists. So but by the time you're done, they're like, okay, speed round. Paul, what's your thoughts on cloud? Right. Because there's no time left. <laughs> what answer? Well, give me yes. one word on your on the, right. on the right, right. theory and forecast of cloud going forward. <laughs> what are your thoughts on a style? And it happens to be the style to which I now use. Um where the moderator more is player coach. In other words, they participate as heavily as any one of the guests would. Um, and my general approach is I start with, you know, a straw theory, right? Here's my thesis. Here's the topic. Here's what I think is true. Here's my opinion. Here's what I think the future looks like. Your thoughts. With the hope that um, I, they disagree, with the hope that they somewhat agree or have a different spin, or with the hope that they um, have a different definition for the words that I just used. Um, I think, again, I think when you have expert speakers, I think it works really well. Right. When you have people that are comfortable speaking, that have spoken a lot and, and both like it and consider it a part of their job, I think it works really well. When you have people that aren't super comfortable at speaking, well, first off, I would just like to not have them on the panel. But but when you have people that aren't super comfortable and super accomplished at speaking, um, you may get in the, into uh, a situation where they have nothing to say, in which case they will either say nothing or say a lot of nothing. Right. Right. You'll get either a 20 second. Yeah, that actually sounds pretty, pretty good, Paul. I would agree with that. <laughs> right. Thumbs up. Plus one. Right. I hear them say. Or... I'm not sure I would agree with you. And then they just kind of repeat what you said using slightly different language, right. but no depth to the language. So you're not even sure they understood the question to begin with. Um, and you kind of get one or the other. Um, but if it's an expert, then yeah, because because every expert disagrees with every other expert, even if they essentially gr agree at the, you know, like the destination is the same, but the journey is different. Mm -hmm. Right. And so while I agree with your death, your desired destination. I don't agree with how we will get there. And I'm going to talk through how we, how I believe we'll get there. Hmm. Is there, is it appropriate to have a panel content that is so broad um, that it appeals to everybody in the audience? Or is it much better no. to be very, very specific, very, very rifled in your topic? Uh, people remember conflict. So if you just if you, if your topic is so broad that it just appeals to everyone, why are you bothering? Right. No one's going to remember what's said after afterwards. You're not helping your panelists out at all. So does a panel work? Make as a device like a keynote. Then that's the that's the big question I'm trying to get to there. Does a panelist work? Panel work in a main room? No, hmm. I, no, uh, that's different though. A keynote is not just main room. I think a panel is fine as main room content. I don't think it's a keynote topic. Hmm. Right, a keynote needs to be a big focused topic that kicks off the theme for the conference or the theme for the day. Um, and you can't do that in a panel. I, I mean, you definitely shouldn't want to do that in a panel, but you could have a keynote and then you could have a panel right after that discusses what they heard in the keynote. And that can be very, very, very interesting, especially if you bring in, like, I'd love to see more of that, right? Where you have like, like have a keynote and then have your top speakers for the conference on a panel to discuss what they heard in the keynote. Some col color commentary right after the keynote. Yeah. Yeah. Because then, then you'd also kind of, kind of like you'd get to hear the keynote. You get to create your, your own opinion of the keynote. Then you get to see 
the panelists, the other speakers, talk about how they interpreted the keynote, whether they believe it or don't. And then you're also set for, ooh, I like what that guy had to say. Now I'm going to go into his session. I like what she had to say. I'm going to go into her session. Right. Or I totally disagreed with that person. I'm glad I know now because I would have gone to watch their session and likely been disappointed. That happened to me very, very recently. There was a keynote that was a very powerful speaker, very content rich, clearly an expert in their particular topic. And I was in the um, panel right after still main room. And the very first thing I said was, uh, hey, everybody, I agreed with 85% of what the keynote speaker just said. <laughs> and if you'd like to hear more, come to my breakout session where I'll talk about the other 15%. That's far more interesting and far more relevant to what you just heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, a little bit of facetia. Yeah, I think... but, there, but that was the purpose right, right, right. to say, you know, a good 30 of their 45 minutes was valuable. But here's the 15 that I'm going to take away for you. <laughs> that I'm going to double. Right. Yeah. And I agree that that was a fabulous follow-up to the keynote. Without the keynote, had I displaced the keynote and just started with the panel, I, I'm not sure anybody, any context would be set for the rest of the day. Right. Yeah. No matter how powerful the moderator was at that point. Agreed. And, and at the same time, don't bring up a customer for your keynote. Don't tell me how good sales are in your keynote. I don't care about any of that. Why are we all here? Why is it so important that we came to this location or dedicated the time to watch the live stream? Right. Why? Where's your kind of sense of urgency, sense of purpose, sense of direction? Like those are things I want from a keynote. I'm so tired of hearing it was a Cisco had a fantastic year in 2022. And we're here to tell you about how 2023 is going to be even better. That does nothing for me. Right. Yeah, and, literally and every, by fantastic year, I know every keynote, especially at a large vendor, then goes ahead and describes the announcements of all the product releases, enhancements they've done for that's being announced today. And effect right. is setting right. up none of which three. do I want to hear in a in a keynote. <laughs> right. I don't want to hear that in a keynote. What I want to hear is like what is your what what is your through line? What are your what are your technical values that you when you're looking at a product, you're like, um, our values are um, we, we have to be able to support the 40 years worth of customer trust that we've built. And thus, we have to maintain some sense of c continuity from version to version and product to product. So you're not completely cut unawares. And so we spend a lot of time on that user, um, on, on that, that digital experience across our product portfolio, right? Um, security attacks aren't slowing down and this is what we've seen and this is how we address it and this is where it gets involved in our product development and you know whatever whatever those things happen to be those are the, the things that need to go in your keynote right so that i can thematically walk around and go okay well i was told these things happen these things are important this is the direction the company is going this is where they think the future lies and this is the puck that they're trying to to aim for rather than follow around um, so many keynotes are just a, a waste. It's like they were put together by a by an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> True, some rolling list of product upgrades. I, I agree. I like the style of what we heard from you last year is this. So we dedicated categorically time to that, and and give me five of yeah. those. So now I have five categories where you spent time and energy, and then those categories reflect what the rest of the agenda looks like. So one or two of those categories were keenly interested to me because I, I was the one who mentioned it to you. 
And now I want to learn exactly what you actually did to make that true. Yep. Yeah. I'd even be fine with, we participated in 31 industry events last year. Here's the list of those events. And then here's the theme that we took away from, like the lesson we learned from each of those events. Mm. Right. This is how we measured what was important to the market, to the industry, and to you, our customers, throughout the year. And this is how we did it. And then this is what we did with that information. Like, yeah, be super, super interesting to see. I've not seen that yet. Mm. I'll be honest. Um, and I almost never see a company talk about their why. They talk a lot about the how and the what, but they don't ever. But but they very rarely talk about their why. And if I don't know your why, I don't know if I want to buy you or not. Because if your why doesn't align with mine, then we're just going to drift further and further apart the longer I use the product. And the bigger the company, the two, the more grandiose the why, and the less relevant it is to me. Well, it's also the, the less possible. Our why is to make the world a better place. <laughs> okay. Right. No. World. Like, like that's not. That's not useful. World <laughs> peace, yes. Yeah, this is it's not the Miss America pageant for crying out loud. Right. Yeah. So so back to moderation. Have you what's your preference still? To be a guest, to be a moderator, to be a to be um, a keynote speaker, like where where is where is Howard best suited in that situation? You, you know, Paul, I'm just honored to be included. <laughs> Okay, then what's your preference? <laughs> if if one um, were to give you multiple opportunities, which one would you choose? I actually prefer the keynote, um, because you have you have the most flexibility, and and humor works really well in the keynote, and and I like to be self deprecating with humor. Storytelling is really good in a keynote. Like people are more patient, I think, with a keynote. Than they are with other things and that kind of lends itself well to my style of of storytelling and and presenting um i'm a pretty good moderator but i moderate kind of the way you laid out right uh, i lay out a scenario and then i'll ask follow-up questions and and try to keep the conversation going um i'm also so excited to learn new things when there's eight people and eight perspectives or four people and four perspectives i'm 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 always learning things so i tend to be a pretty passionate moderator um, and you know, I'm, I'm always happy to present. What percentage of time would you follow up with the one answer to multiple answers? So you said, here's the premise. Um, guest says, I agree with 85% of that premise. And here's where the 15% I disagree with. How much more time do you spend on that disagreement? Uh, 30 seconds maybe, yeah. but I'll take, I'll take it to the next person and I go, Hey, so, so Paul agrees with these four things, but he's really disagreed with these. Do you think Paul's right or wrong? Mm. Right? Like, do you all, do you think, do, you know, do you also agree with 85%? And if that's not the right mix and these aren't the right things, what are the things that you disagree with? So here's a really controversial statement <laughs> in any of your moderations or your panels. Have you used slides? And should there be slides? No, no, and no. There should never be slides in a panel. Interesting. I always have slides. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, no. I always have is. slides. No, uh, and I always have slides to create a visual of my premise, to create a visual of my straw man, to say, I believe that the that we're going to deploy applications into these eight places, and let me show you those eight places. 
just to visually de depict what I mean when I say these eight places. And I'm going to leave it up. I'm going to leave it behind me as I just described it to you. And then I'm going to point to a panelist and say, tell me I'm wrong about this picture. Is this picture not equivalent to uh, what you think? Um. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I. That's more of a background than anything else. But. Yeah. But. It's at that at the point. It, like if the eight. We're not discussing the picture. No. If the, I'm just using the picture as I get a it. visual it, guide. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I get it. Um. I, I guess that's okay as long as as long as your panelists aren't having to do this. Yeah. <laughs> no. Right? Uh, I'm hoping if your panelists are them that they can. <laughs> hoping yeah um that would be my big concern right like like a, you know we've said it a million times right this the speaker is the content the slides are not the content the slides are the bookmarks to help you orient yourself if you if you get distracted um and therefore add more speakers you you can have less other content right mm -hmm. um the other problem like again there's i think there's a difference between a background right um which is a static thing that doesn't change versus uh slides right there's plural involved in that statement alone i'm not sure that i would find it really necessary like i think if your if your premise is is complicated enough that you need a permanent diagram um maybe simplify the premise for the panel but um mm. but i could see i could see places where it would work as well i've used it mostly in circumstances where i'm less familiar with the guest and i'm doing the moderation or I'm very familiar with the guest and I know that they have a less than functional viewpoint of some of the topics of the panel, right? So they're an expert in 30% of what we're about to talk to for the next 45 minutes, but not the rest. And therefore to help the conversation, knowing that I'll have to engage more in the conversation because of it, I use it as a tool. Yeah, I can see that. I could see that b both being a you know reasonable and being, you know, kind of kind of a constant thing, um, and and having value. Um, I think it also probably has value for for those um, panelists that are maybe less um, less comfortable in front of an audience or more technical, mm. right? And and you can kind of give them give them something they can focus on, right? They can pick one of the eight or two of the eight that they're really comfortable with, right. So, yeah. Well, that was valuable info, Carlos. That was a good one. Trying to understand really the difference in which one will be better and actually understanding that when you go and you want to listen, you want to learn, not just to have the same perspective across all of, of the speakers. That's sometimes, like you say, that's boring. So as always, my friend, Make sure that you take the time to take notes, like literally take notes, share it with your team. They may at some point become a speaker at a small event or even a big event. Then also you may become a speaker or a moderator. So take this uh, tips and tricks. So when you're there, you can be successful. So my friends, we'll see you on our next episode.